Hello again, people. <laughs> Hello again. Um, it is Jake and Seth, and now it is time to discuss the the film that everyone's talking about. 2018 Ryan Coogler Black Panther film. Academy Award nominated. Academy Award nominated. Something that the Avengers, Endgame, Infinity War, Iron Man. Only the Joker has reached these heights. <laughs> yeah, no, true. no, no, it's true, and uh, it's we'll we'll get into that. This is a good movie. It was so well received, and I was thinking about this. This is one of the rare movies. It did all three things you could, you want a film to do these type of comic book films it pleased the fan base and it grew it which is very that's a that's difficult to do and what that means the box office so like you had a big box office huge box huge box office two you capture critics imaginations and as we said this was academy award nominated i think it's a 98 99 it has some insane I think some did unbelievably well critically uh, compared to the rest of these Marvel movies. In terms of comic movies, it is I think you have to put it as among the best, if not among the best received. And third, it broke through the zeitgeist. People were randomly saying Wakanda forever. Like some, it, the movie broke through it in a lot of it ways. It was a cultural revelation. I was going to say that too. I, that that is the big, and that's the biggest thing, honestly, in my opinion. It's like when you break through and people start quoting your movie, people start talking about it word of mouth. It's just like once you hit that level, there's something else going on. I, I always think of Independence Day, and I'm not. That's not just for this film, but that was the first time I remember seeing a film in theater. And it breaking through, like immediately hearing people use those phrases. It hasn't aged well because people don't say it anymore. But I remember that summer, everyone said, welcome to Earth. Like, people were saying stuff like that. The old Wolf, Wolf's taglines lived on for two or three years, at least in my little world. So uh, th- that's why I think of it. But no, but it I can was remember, a phenomenon. I, I can remember when Wayne's World came out and then just everybody using Wayne's World quotes for like five years after that. And it was just like... Or like doing the not thing after you say something, which was like a horrible joke. It's like, whatever. But no, I'm just saying, I, like, I, you're kind of 100% right. right. I, when I go back and look upon my youth, so much of it was just repeating movie lines or making movie references. Not not, not original, but no, but that, those were big parts of our, our youths. So for Black Panther, I... There's a lot I could talk about this film. Clearly, we both can. The one thing I'll say is going into it, I, in terms of the MCU, I had high expectations, but I, I knew it would be good. I knew MCU at the very worst. I knew it wasn't going to be a Thor Dark World. and at the very, Or at the very worst, it would be like that, which was still a watchable movie. But I went in with being confident. I admit, I knew there was a lack of representation. I knew there was some excitement. Didn't appreciate how well how welcome it would be just for that representation or what it meant for people who right. weren't even african american like for just for uh, people who weren't white and for brown black and brown people i i totally admit i was very naive to that thirst for that type of representation and it made me like it too it made me like it that much more that people loved it so much i love these films i don't care i don't care what characters on the screen i just want as many people to watch it as i can and that was one of the things that i talk about movie theater experiences this was a great theater experience. I actually saw, thought, saw it randomly in a four 
4DX or 4XD. So it was like smoke and water splashing and smells and like extra effects. And it was so much fun. And, and the crowd was into it. It was awesome. It, It was such a great experience. Yeah, I will say, uh, not, it's like not only do they do a great job of like creating a character and a whole cast that's like full representation, but like the amount of black stereotypes they sort of break in the movie of just like having co- characters that are intelligent, having black characters that are scientists, having black characters that uh, just aren't shown in the way they're shown, sort of even in these other Marvel movies, I thought was really well done. Um, the director, I should mention, Ryan Coogler, I have, uh, he's a, an alumni of mine, went to St. Mary's, we both did the same Sundance program, so I've always kind of like known about this guy since college, um, saw Fruitvale Station at Sundance, um, which was like his, his first sort of like breakthrough movie, he's had a really interesting career, I think this is a really interesting moment for him in his career to like have this movie blow up the way it did. And I know that it's like he's a guy that really is concerned with uh, just sort of like minorities and their way of life in America and and how they're oppressed and whatnot. And it's just like to have this movie sort of not be about that, but just be a celebration of black culture and stuff. Uh, amazing job by him. And some of the action scenes and stuff, too, I thought were shot much differently than some of these other Marvel movies. I thought there was a lot of stuff direction wise that was interesting, interesting choices, you know, having the opening in Oakland, I thought was a great choice uh, and kind of tying it into his own heritage, tying it into Fruitvale station and stuff like that. I thought all that was cool. Well, I was going to say, I think of the film before this was Fruitvale station. And one of the things Marvel does a great job of is picking directors and they don't always go for the biggest name. And I think this is a great example of them getting a young, talented director who could who could do a lot with the character. One of the things from the first time to this last time I saw it, this was my take that I just absolutely loved. And you kind of mentioned this, this movie does a great job of world building. This is one of the best jobs of world building in about 20, 25 minutes to give you, and they keep building it after that first 20, 25 minutes. But Wakanda already feels like this fully developed, it feels fully developed and real and different and new and it's like vibrant was the only vibrant and colorful were the words that kept coming to my mind and the thing i loved was it just was new within the mcu and it at the same time felt like it fit and i i don't know if that's just me forcing it in or just me seeing something that's not there but i really liked it and i think and i'm not saying that in a way that's oh it's in line it's totally different but it's still it's this new part of the universe I think it's totally connects. It's like most of these other cities that the Marvel world is shot in are all these sort of dirty modern uh, cities. And it's like when you see Wakanda for the first time, it's this like technologically advanced, clean, vibrant place with all these colors and stuff. So I thought that was a great disparity there. And I also think what's cool is like there's this dynamic where it's like it is this technologically advanced society. But there's also, it's like the way their governance, government is like this very ancient tribal uh, way of sort of like going about the, and it's like, I actually kind of found myself liking the dynamic of like, they're advanced, but like their way of deciding things is incredibly simple. And it's like a very old traditional way. And it's like, who's like, uh, you know, it's like all our bureaucracy today 
just gives us more bullshit, honestly. It's like, maybe if we did have a more simple tribal kind of way of deciding things, it would be a lot easier to go about our business. I mean, the one thing I would say was there were no guardrails against an evil king at the end, though. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> he said I wanted to do all this of... stuff, and everyone kind of looked at each other, and they're like, well, we can't really stop him. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of his dad's fault, honestly. He, uh, you, you take that kid home. It's like, he shouldn't have left the kid. Oh, I mean, Dadwick um, is 100% right about that. Oh, yeah. fully agreed. And I thought that was one of the one of the best parts of the movie and one of the things I think it does really well is tackling legacy. And the, there are yeah. a lot of analogies you can draw from this film, but for anyone, this is, Wakanda is also America. It's the strongest country in the world that's very isolationist. It's, I'm not saying that's exactly what he was going for, but that was a reading I had and I think that's a reading he also wants to give. Like, this was especially when this film came out. Powerful. It's all about building barriers, not bridges. Over oh, the bridges, not barriers. But it's good. It's I. They it had a message, and I think it ends up working for the film, even though it's a little cliche. But I think it's simple and it works. <laughs> Maybe we'll take a break there. Yeah. Sorry. No Computer that four person. Oh, oh yeah, take the charger. Yeah, is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. You can always work from my desk. It's strung through here. It's right there. Okay. <laughs> that happened to me. That happened to us last week with my charger. Or was it two weeks? That happens to me all the time. You lose your charger. No, no. That where we? I had. I like at the last minute. Maybe you haven't noticed, but sometimes, like, I'll forget to plug uh -huh. it in, or I'll like be in a different room. Sorry. Um, Dude, don't worry about it. Just noted, and now I'm going to edit. By the way, I'm going to edit the Jones stuff, too. Okay. Now <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't wait to hear that marathon. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, are we still going right now? Or? Yeah, we're still, we, can, we can restart whenever. Yeah, I'm just going to cut it. Okay. Um, I forget the last question. Um, I forget where we were, too. I think we were talking about Coogler a little bit, and oh, uh, yeah, just like just... some of the choices he made, and like yeah, also that like oh yeah, I was saying the whole like dynamic technology versus like tribal ways of deciding things. Oh yeah, I mean it's an interesting contrast, and the whole Afro future pop. That was one of the things apparently was really well received. At least that, like that's what I remember was, and I listened to a couple podcasts of some of the news things that recently I like to listen to that when they covered it and it was, it, it broke through on so many levels and I think it makes sense why it did. Kugler did a great job of building this world. He's telling a lot of stories. I don't think it's a perfect movie. I do think it, and I, yeah, I, I don't think it is either. I, I think it's more than the sum of its parts. And I think the things it does well, it does really well, which is the world building. I think the representation, I am totally, I love it. I, I'm supportive of it for that. I love that people love it. At the same time, we won't do it. We don't need to do it right now. It isn't a perfect film. And it's not even a perfect, given the freedom it has in the MCU, it, I'm not blaming it. It's not some of the usual gripes we have for, for I feel, Marvel films. It, it, there are just some things I feel like it doesn't do as well as, as it can. But now I'm getting too negative. I don't mean to go there. But I just wanted, well, in, in terms of Kugler, I'm so excited for his career now. Like what he could do with yeah. this film, uh, show me what you do next. I, I think the 
the opening sort of time when, like you said, like legacy building worked really well, and the yeah, how they kind of how he shows the different tribes and just like the traditions and the way they can challenge for kingship and like the way he builds that whole world. I think all that stuff works. I think the thing, the best. I mean, when I first saw this movie, I was sort of like, I really felt like Michael B. Jordan stole the movie. I honestly felt like he kind of blew Chadwick off the screen in a couple scenes, not t- trying to take a, a move at Chadwick or anything. I'm just saying I felt like Michael B. Jordan really brought his A game and played his part well. And I think he kind of has the juiciest role in the movie. I find myself looking forward to all of his scenes more than any of the other scenes for the most part. Um, and just like he brings a he brings a, a dynamic uh sort of like aspect to his performance that just I mean everyone else is fine and everyone else is sort of like doing well but I just thought like he you know he kind of goes to a three-dimensional level where everyone's kind of everyone else is still in 2d for me he brings the sizzle to the steak he's uh he's just on all cylinders he has this righteous anger and he's also very cool he's got swagger just his introduction is incredible and throughout the scene throughout the film we talk about like momentum or character development he is all that he is building cap capital in every scene and by the time he gets to t'challa he is the stone cold killer who shot his apparently girlfriend betrayed his friend his allies just to kill claw to get him there I mean, Boys he's an orphan women. from Oakland, whereas, like, to, you know, Bozeman has been the, you know, the prized son, the prince of the king the whole entire time in Wakanda, like, growing up under his wing. You know, it's like it's this whole thing of, like, privilege versus uh, unprivileged. Yeah, had a vibranium spoon born in his, in his mouth. Exactly, right. <laughs> and, no, and it's interesting. And it was also, I thought, interesting, and I'm sure you have these questions, but the depiction of Wakanda and what that means for them. And that whole question of that larger identity past that pan-African or that that identity is why, if you had the ability to stand up for these people that were being oppressed, wouldn't you? Or would that, does that make sense? Is that is that right for you to interfere in other countries? And we talked about this with Avengers, like they just went where they want. And that's a compare, that's a big contrast between Wakanda and the Black Panther and the Avengers. So right. they make a point to only go where they if they have to and it's usually only in self-defense whereas the avengers go wherever they feel they want to and wherever they wherever they think they need to but it's really just where they want to well like i was trying to think if i lived in wakanda i think i'd want to keep it the way i feel like i'd want to keep it isolated right but if i knew about wakanda the way that michael b jordan does I very much would have his point of view and be like, there are millions of us around the world struggling. You can help all of us, you know, especially people of color, uh, to get out of these situations and to overthrow, you know, white oppressive leaders, basically. And it's like, it doesn't sound like the worst plan in the world to me. Sure, he's a little too gung-ho about it, but I actually understood his point of view. It's not the worst plan in the world, but at the same time, his plan isn't that great. He's going to throw three cities. Like he's going to, then at the time they mentioned three cities and I'm not saying those aren't important cities, but like, well, my, there's my also point, Avengers at this time. That would have been interesting. That's true. Yeah. That to me is like, that's what's going to stop you funny. There's Avengers out there, but the Martin Freeman character, by the way, the token white guy in this movie is totally Martin Freeman. <laughs> but at one point, uh, he's like, this is what, uh, this guy is trying to do. He assassinates the leader. 
uh, overthrows the government, destabilizes nations. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe his whole plan is like, it's not like this thing where you start taking on armies. It's more like you unleash, you know, different agents in these different cities. You assassinate some leaders. It's actually the concept from Civil War. It's that Cold War aspect. It's you're not going to defeat them with an army. You're going to defeat them with a bunch of assassins and assassinations and political maneuvers. It's Which is basically what he does to Wakanda. And it's like, I could kind of see it from that angle. No, it's interesting. I mean, they, and one of the things they talked about, and we, you kind of alluded to this, and I think it was on an offline or a different conversation. There are some Magneto, Charles Xavier vibes here between. Yes, yeah. Between Killmonger and Black Panther. And that's interesting because Xavier and. Magneto are based off Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Whether that's true, whether that was a, that they retrofitted it to fit that, or it was initially conceived of that. I think it was initially conceived of that, especially if the, I've read those early comics. They're definitely drawing comparisons to the, the uh, civil rights movement, especially with the, the X-Men. But yeah. It's I was, a, yeah, I was getting a lot of the same vibes. I mean, it's called Black Panther. I think there's some relation yeah. to the Black Panthers. And yeah, just sort of the conversations they're having about um, you know, we could make ourselves known with weapons and kind of take control, or it's like we could kind of remain in the shadows and kind of like reserve our power and reserve our peace. The one argument I would make against Killmonger, everything you said is right. It does make sense. The one argument would be if you're like a wise country or wise power, you're you know that starting that war will just lead to more war. And especially if in this world, if it's the powers that exist now, it's knowing that they wouldn't go down without a fight. Or it's like, you know, maybe not take over the whole world here. Like, sure, let's take out some bad dudes and, like, maybe take over that. But it's like, let's not take on America or Russia here, right? I don't know. Like, (laughs) are are there enough Wakandans to invade? That's the thing I didn't get. What was the plan? Are there 100,000 Wakandans? Are there a million Wakandans? I mean, there were enough to win an endgame, right? To beat that army. (laughs) Well, they only won once Thor got there. Yeah, well, I thought though they needed that Wakanda army too. Well, the, Waka- the Wakanda army help- was there, but they had a lot of help in both movies. I'm just, I'm just saying they're good though. They're the strongest army on earth for sure. I do, yeah. I, I like the the tribal aspects where it's like you have the guys in the hills, you got the miners. I think there was the river people with the plates in their lips. I mean, that's an uncomfortable life. Yeah, that was. I mean, I wasn't know. sure what Bozeman's tribe was. Are they just like the kings of the king, or it's like what was it? Were they just like the city dwellers? So I counted that. They mentioned the royal family. My assumption is that perhaps the royal family was apart so long that they're no longer part of a tribe or their own tribe, which is kind of sad. Or maybe they're not allowed to speak for one of the tribes. I, I didn't. I wasn't quite sure. I thought that was a little bit of a loophole. Yeah, it's not that way. Yeah, I was a little confusing on that. <laughs> I liked. What'd you think about Mbaku? Uh, the, he's the guy. He's the. Uh... The guy from the hills that kind of yeah, gives him the first challenge. Yeah. I like, he's a good character, and uh, yeah, I liked. Uh, I liked that there was sort of like some inner turmoil, turmoil amongst them, and it's like that gives you some perspective on like sort of like what's really happening in this Wakanda place before you even get into like all the Marvel stuff. Well, one of the uh, things I thought was so interesting. Again, I don't know how much is trying to draw to real world aspects, but. The Mbako and his tribe were the conservative element, and it was just interesting that they were the ones who ended up having to help at the end against Killmonger. 
and they're clearly supposed yeah. to be the conservative part of that society. And it was because they were, or this, I won't, I'm not going to go too deep into it now, but I, I just thought that's something that was interesting. I, I thought it was a great depiction. And on this podcast, I was listening to it was interesting hearing this comic book writer talk about him. I, I don't, I'll not lie. Don't know the, the Black Panther universe as well as I should. I read a lot of the old comics actually recently randomly, especially his first few comics and the, his first Fantastic Four appearances where we can talk oh, about yeah. later. But, um, and he just was joking about how M'Baku was someone that he and his friends made fun of growing up because he was called the Man-Ape and he was, a, there were a bunch of racial, like he was the Man-Ape that was clearly a racial, these are still white guys drawing these characters and making these characters early on. And this guy was talking about how that was, he was a joke when they were kids, but his depiction totally changed him. I didn't know him that, that well as a character. I knew him as a villain. I loved him in this film. And he totally, this film did so many great things and it reinterpreted some other things from the origins like that, that weren't really so great. Like his bodyguards in the comics are his wives, not his bodyguards, or they're just his bodyguards, but in the comic books are his wives and his bodyguards. There's a bunch of other weird, weird things that they adapted, I think, in a great way. And it was just a real cool realization of the character. All right. Yeah. I also, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, I think is how you say his name, who plays Wakabi. Uh, he's the actor from Get Out. He's actually, I find him to be an interesting actor. And he's the one that uh, he kind of turns toward Michael B. Jordan. He's the more aggressive of these people in the tribe and kind of thinks that they should uh, weapon up, I think, and like kind of be more aggressive with their tactics so he's sort of like the opposite of that uh mbaku character i think right uh, yes their ships passing the night he is <laughs> black panther's friend who becomes his enemy and mbaku is right. an enemy who becomes his friend and that's right. even more played out in infinity war and i'll be honest it's a little underserved i get so the whole revenge aspect of Wakabi's father being killed by Claw, that is actually from that's T'Challa's story arc from the comics. In the comics, it's a little different. In the comics, Claw finds vibranium in the past and goes to mine it. T'Challa's father goes to stop him. There's this big fight. T'Challa ends up using one of Claw's weapons against him and like hurts his arm. I believe I believe he hurts his arm. Long story short, gets the vibranium and you find out, and Black Panther is as smart as Reed Richards, or maybe not as smart, but he, he's as smart as the Beast and Charles Xavier and some of the smartest people on the earth. And he's this great inventor and he is the one who drives a lot of the innovation and development and advancement of Wakandan culture. And he is the one who also keeps it secret from the world. And that's his whole arc. Oh. And it's, I, 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 I won't get too lost there. That was, I just, but I just read that recently. So I just wanted to share that. And, but he, he is an awesome character. I mean, he, he's cool. Interesting. He is immediately fights the fantastic four and almost takes them down. He was a cool character from the onset and he always loomed large in my, I always consider him one of like the legacy characters. It's one of yeah. those characters as a fan, especially when I started reading, he would show up and just the way they treated him with his deference. I knew, and I knew he was always this established character and they always show Wakanda as being a very strong nation and it was him being powerful. I, I did, uh, I liked the scene in the museum 
where uh, Claw and Killmonger, they kind of, they're like looking at all these masks and then they find this one like sort of uh, hammer thing that's like a mistakenly, they think it's like from Germany or something, but then it's like they realize it's this vibranium artifact. And I kind of, it actually reminded me of Demolition Man or something, that scene in the museum where they started taking the weapons out of like this museum in Demolition Man. But I just like that aspect of like, oh, these people in this museum didn't even realize what they had. I didn't even think about the Demolition Man reference, but that's totally fair. And I think that's that's probably what they're trying to do. I love that scene. I know. I, I don't know if that's what they're trying to do. I also, I, there's a subtle thing in the movie I, I actually really liked when I watched it this time where they call all the white people colonizers. And it's like in that museum scene, Michael B. Jordan's like, yeah, you and your colonizers, you stole this. So now I'm going to steal it back from you. And But like even people in Wakanda, you know, uh, Black Panther's sister sees Martin Freeman for the first time and she's like, oh, it's a colonizer. And it's it's not like a slur, but it's a subtle thing where it's like you realize they see white people as just people who conquer others. And it's like they're colonizers where it's like this Wakandan tribe, they keep to themselves, they, they do their own thing, they develop their own technology. It's like they're not trying to take over anybody. And like there is something about all these white people in power that, that they're just taking over other countries. It is funny, though. That's totally fair. And I'm not this. I don't hope this isn't misconstrued. <laughs> but there's also slaves existed long before white people were in power. Many Greeks were taken into slaves. The Persians had slaves. It's one of those things. I, I, but with that being said, the colonizers is an earned. <laughs> it's an earned derogatory term. But it's it's just one of those things, though. It's I totally get it. But it you stretch back another 500 years, it's the Ottomans are <laughs> the no, Mongols right. are, and you go back another 500 years, it's the Mongols killing and enslaving everyone. <laughs> and then it's the Romans and then it's the Germans. Like you can you go back far enough. Everyone did something awful at some point. I agree with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just thought, yeah, it's, it is a funny thing in the movie. To, it's just like, there's no distinction even between countries. They're just all colonizers to them. It was. I did like it. But no, I thought that was also appropriate. I know I just, I, I'm sure that hopefully didn't come off too aggressive. And no, it's for white not. people. But the one thing I will say is it's also, it's, that's how terms are supposed to work. You're taking the worst of us and you're putting everyone, and it's effective. I was offended by it. That's a perfect, like, I love that they use that term. And I think the colonizer thing really works because, yeah. And it also, especially in the film with the villain Killmonger. And I'm not, I'm not here arguing for colonization. It's awful. But it shows. It's like Killmonger wants to colonize colonizers. And that's a whole part of their big confrontation where it's them saying, like, you become what you hate. You are becoming a colonizer. That's not, that's not how you bring about change. That's how you perpetuate what's going on. Yeah, true. Um, I did wonder. So at the end of the movie, uh, Black Panther decides, like, I'm going to buy this old apartment back in Oakland and the basketball court parking that thing and like I'm gonna start like this is where we're gonna start to be known is for like rehabilitating this area and it did make me wonder um maybe he shouldn't have killed Killmonger like he does stab him and then he was like you know I could fix you and Killmonger does that thing where he like does the seppuku and like <laughs> shoves it in deeper or whatever uh, but I was like you know if he had taken a little piece of vibranium the way he had uh, healed uh, Martin Freeman uh, you stick it in there, you heal Killmonger, and then you, like, do the thing where you rehabilitate his old neighborhood in Oakland. And you're like, look, like, 
we're not going to do what you wanted to do, like take over the world, but like I am going to make our make our presence known and we are going to start to do things differently. And I want you like on my side here because like you're clearly like a powerful dude. Like, was there no way for him to bring him into the floor? Do you think Killmonger was too gone on his uh, dictatorial sort of like path? Yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and wonder why. I mean, he, he offered to help him and he said no. And at this point, the dude has killed his own partners, <laughs> turned everyone against you, told, not only like killed you, tried to kill you, tried to dishonor you in front of your people. And then when you showed up again, refused to honor the agreement of his initial challenge and try oh, to kill everyone that, by the way. and then try to kill your sister and your friends. So, and then he still offered him. So for me, all he had to do was offer once. He, and the, after doing, after the dude shoves it in further, I'm going to let him die. <laughs> if he doesn't <laughs> want to come back, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to die in this hell farm. Uh, so quick question about the challenge. So Killmonger comes in, Royal, Royal blood gets the challenge, wins the challenge, well, kind of wins the challenge, throws him off the thing into the water. Guy does a fugitive dive, ends up being caught by a fisherman, right? And then this fisherman puts him into ice on a wheelbarrow, and he's, like, frozen. And uh, they get to Mbaka, and he's like, yeah, this guy would be dead in minutes if you took him out of the ice. And what they do is they give him the Black Panther potion again. And I was like, in what sense is this fair in the challenge, that you get to drink potion to re, like, Get, you know, get yourself back up and walking again. Like, at no point are you allowed to drink potion and heal yourself and then re resume the challenge. So, to me, it's like, when you drink that potion, challenge is off. Like, you lost to Killmonger. Like, I feel like, I actually agree with Killmonger. All the challenge stuff is over. Like, once you drink that, you're kind of cheating. Well, Killmon Killmonger drinks it, too. Yeah, but that's after he won. That's him becoming the king. Like, you get to drink it when you become the king. No, 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 no. But, no, he didn't win. <laughs> but he didn't kill him and he didn't yield so, but, but it's like okay when you throw him in the water are the, and like everyone assumes he's dead the way we all assume Harrison Ford died are you not going to go through with that ceremony or like, you, like you're one of those monks who like I need to see the dead body I'm sorry this is a conservative ancient culture and the rule is you need to die or yield and he did not he was not dead and he did not yield and he was the king and the black panther beforehand so, well, so the if it was everything was based on that fight, he lost the fight. But like he's alive and he didn't yield, so he's technically it should still be ongoing. I think it should still be well, but it was, when they when they sort of resumed the challenge, they were both fighting with powers, right? It wasn't like they both stripped their powers and started fighting again. Well, okay, Seth, because you asked for it. I'm going to rewrite the $14 billion. I mean, the, uh, the million, the, the movie that made $1.4 billion was nominated, nominated for an Oscar and was a huge sensation. The movie, there shouldn't be a huge fight. And what it should have been with the Wakandans being like, no, you should finish the fight and having them both take off their suits, have them still yeah. use their powers, but just have them fight it out. And the reason I'm saying that is I remember, I just always felt like this movie had so much CGI, and it doesn't have that much CGI until the last 15 minutes, and their whole fight is just these two cartoon characters and their faces sometimes 
appearing, just jumping around around this cartoon train for a while. And yeah, it's the I wasn't worst a big effects. fan of the train fight thing. Yeah, it's that the, wasn't the best ending. It's the worst. It's some of the worst effects Marvel's have done. Marvel has done, and I'm not. It was. It's much better the the setting they had with the waterfall and the water and the whole tribe watching. It's like that's a much more cinematic thing to watch than that train. Scene. That 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 was the whole thing. You you did in these other scenes, even the car chase. You had a great blend of practical and special effects. It, you did it in, earlier in the movie, and part of me makes it, this happen sometimes. They have smaller things. The movie looks really good, and Marvel will be like, "Hey, here's an extra twenty million dollars. Here's an extra thirty million dollars." Yeah. Go go make it as long as you want. Give us an extra action scene. Don't make it bigger. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm not saying there was meddling, but it just the, we talked about in Civil War. I think we both agreed it kind of worked. I mean, you might have not agreed it didn't work as well, but they reduced the scale in the final fight of Civil War, and it works. I think, and I think a one-on-one duel, especially the way the movie is framed, with the first act really being. The first and second actor pivot around this duel. Right. It I, feels like there should be a third one. Yeah. It should be a third one. Or maybe you make it special where it's like, okay, it's each they each get to choose a couple warriors to fight with them. And then it's Wakabi fighting against Okoye and his sister yeah, fighting against it, someone it, else. It's yeah. there's okay. And again, I, like the whole the train thing, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the train that's that's like a pretty weak kind of like capper for your movie that's like has all these epic scenes in it. I get, and I get on the storyboard how that looks cool, and I can just see the picture of like two of them like flipping over a train speeding by, and I guess it's so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But Jake and Seth, we're back again. Seth, we were discussing the train sequence. I think it's really one of the weakest parts of the film. It's for the very end. There really wasn't as there was a lot of CGI. It wasn't as bad as I remember, except for that very end, which I think kind of left me with a more sour taste than I realized. Um, tough, tough spot to fall flat, really, is that, like... It's, yeah, to your point, especially after doing it so well for so much. But I I understand that trap they fell into. It doesn't ruin the film. I think overall it still works. You have a lot of big character moments through that battle for Koye and Wakabi and M'Baku and his tribe and even his sister and Nakia. I get, it works. I just feel like it was a little especially given the criticism of Marvel at the time where you have this big battle at the end that it was a little bit formulaic at a time when I, as we, as we discussed, I think a smaller per more personal scale, even just the finishing the trial by combat, I think it would have made more sense. And I think it would have worked better. Tough spot, tough spot to like miss that. And I think that's like, if I was going to, give uh cooler criticism it's like that's kind of the scene i would kind of like rethink um i was gonna ask you who did you think was better between angela bassett and forrest whitaker <laughs> i'm gonna be honest i thought they were both a little weak i Me too. Knew, yeah, knew, I knowing they were in it and then knowing the roles they had as the movie progressed i just uh, forrest whitaker it wasn't working for me, dog. It was a no for me, dog. And yeah, yeah. And then they both ended up feeling like casting bait, honestly. Um, yeah, they're marquee bait. They just wanted their, their yeah. names on the film. And uh, this is there's a, one. There's one scene with Whitaker. It's the "I am your king now" scene for Bozeman. That it's pretty good. And and Whitaker has to kind of tell him what happened with his dad and and like and uh, his uncle and everything. And I thought that was probably his best scene. But you're for the most part. 
both of them felt like it's kind of a phone in. <laughs> and I'm not even blaming them. It's just I don't no, think they were yeah. given enough to do. And uh, you're, I think the Whitaker character is more developed. Also, they they don't kill off the mom, so they probably had more plans. And they could still do more with her. So, but I, I actually thought Sterling K. Brown was better than you know he he I thought had stronger scenes than they did. Right, so my first note, and then coming away from this film in terms of casting, and my first note is also my last, and the only thing I want to talk about. Did they waste him as this character? Like, this is a big character in this movie, but Sterling K. Brown, I feel like, is a character. He's too good an actor. And he was, they, yeah. They can still bring him back. It's not going to ruin the, the movie or the universe. They've done it before. We talked about it when, with Alfred Woodford. They do it sometimes. It's not a big deal, but it just feels like he's great in it. And I'm sure when they – it just feels like his star is almost too high. I would have uh, I would have flipped him and Forrest Whitaker. I would have had Forrest Whitaker play the guy that died, and I would have had Sterling K. Brown play the guy that lived. And then I'm not sure I would have had Killmonger still still kill him, but I think that would have worked better if Sterling K. Brown was kind of like the older guy that kind of knew things from the past and had to tell Chadwick Boseman and stuff like that. No, I mean, I'm just saying... I'm. I'm, I don't want him for a bigger part in this movie. I want him to play a different character in the MCU. Oh, bigger, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I think, I think he can be a bigger part of this universe. And, and they, he still can be, so it's not to say he won't be or can't be. But He's a good actor. I like him. Yeah, he, I like him a lot. Um, should we, we, we've skirted around it. Should we talk about Eric Stevens' Killmonger? Sure. I mean, we talked about him a little bit. I mean, we talked about him a little bit, but I think he... I think he's the best part of the movie. I think Claw is great too. I think they do a great job in this film of juggling villains as well. But I really think Claw and Killmonger are just incredible. Claw was so, Claw was interesting, actually, more interesting than I remembered. Um, he was. But he like, was a huge. He's a good example of Marvel bringing back a character that wasn't well received initially, and either rebooting them or giving them a different twist, and just having them be so much more well received. Uh, yeah, I'm not the whole thing where like circus is like kind of like a CGI circus, like and he's playing this bigger guy. It's a weird sort of, but like once I got past he's, that, he's is, not playing a CGI guy. Is it not circus that plays uh, Claw or whatever? Yeah, but he's not CGI. Oh, is it just like heavy makeup? I thought that I had thought his whole gimmick was that he was always like a CGI uh, <laughs> being or something. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I've, <laughs> you think he's playing? He's doing a CGI role? No, that, that's Andy Circus. Oh, oh, I just thought that was his gimmick. I know it, it like looked like him. I couldn't figure out what. The, like he's not that big of a guy though. I thought he was like a smaller guy. So I was like, did they like enhance it? Because like, I, you know what it was is because I was watching Civil War and they like CGI'd Robert Downey Jr. to be like young Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> and so I was like, are they doing the same kind of technology with Andy Circus? Because I thought like he had some clause in his contract where he had to be CGI twenty four seven. Who told you that? <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> well, wasn't he the guy that played Gollum and all that stuff? <laughs> Why would he have to be CGI in every movie? <laughs> I um, don't know. I thought that was like what he wanted his legacy to be. No, that's Andy Serkis. <laughs> he has a CGI arm. I, I, I honestly. I'm speechless, Seth. I don't know what to say right now. I think I'm I'm going off the rails here. I'm um, all right, uh, all right. We're gonna bring it back on the rails. 
bring it back on the rails. Killmonger is great. He feels like a righteous villain. We talked about that a lot. I like Claw. I think I'm a little disappointed they killed him. I'm sure they're going to bring him back at some point. No, I actually like both the villains. Yeah, it's like I kind of wish Killmonger could exist again. Or like I wish that Bozeman, that Black Panther had turned him at the end or something. I like Killmonger. Good villain. You talked about turning him. I understand why they didn't. I, I think there couldn't be argument. All right, we're kind of at the end of the film here. Do we want to talk about things we didn't like? Were there any other notes you had? Um, I don't think it. It's um, it's weird to say this, but it's like the way it was received was like this is honestly this isn't a critique on the movie. This is just a critique on the way it was received. I think, but the way it was received was like this had never happened before, and I distinctly remember this happening with Wesley Snipes and Blade in the late 90s. And it, like the, there was sort of this idea that like, oh, there's never been this black superhero. But it's like, it kind of did happen. But it's like, I'm, I'm happy that it happened again. I don't know why it took so long. And obviously it was super successful. But it's like, there were some things about the way it was received where I was like, I don't know what these people are talking about. I will, <laughs> I will say, just from like a movie storytelling aspect, and we'll get into it in a second, fact that this received a nomination but endgame and the first avengers or the first iron man didn't just to me is or even like the winner i mean not the winter soldier i don't think it deserved like an award or anything but yeah like, like in a vacuum as a movie it's probably not as good as those and I, I will say i understand this film is doing more on other levels than those films are but at the same time for as a critical body to sit here and tell me that that deserves it, but not Endgame, which right. was, yeah. even, it was well received, almost as well received, like that. And when you have an extra spot, that's where for me it's like, and that is uh, something I think made me a little negative to it, or maybe not as positive as I should have been. And looking coming back at this, I revised my score. I really like this, but I, I'm going to throw it back to you. But also, like the technical aspects of Endgame and some of the bigger movies, it's more, it's more like impactful and groundbreaking. In the same way, you know, they recognized Avatar that year when it was sort of like this groundbreaking, mostly for technical achievements, more so than storytelling. And it's like I feel like Endgame's in that same category where it's like it should probably be recognized for those sorts of things. Whereas like Black Panther, it seems like it was recognized for the like meta-ness of it and the representation and stuff and not so yeah it's like it was sort of recognized for uh, i mean there's a case i'm sure there's a case that other people would make that it is uh like this airtight movie that should be recognized but it's like even within the marvel world i don't think it's the tightest story ever i think it's like we said it's like there are things that work well about it and uh there were off, you know, there were things that were kind of fun. It's one of these things, though, it's funny. It's like every time you try to critique it, all of a sudden you feel like you're walking on eggshells. And it's like, you shouldn't feel that way. Like, it is just a movie. Like, it's fine to critique the movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, two of the things that I came away with, cause coming into it, I remember I had a hard time pinpointing. To me, I always thought it was like a solid B+. Plus. And, I, yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. and it finishes a little higher for me, but it feels like a B+. Plus. And I couldn't think of why it wasn't an A. And then after leaving this, I know why I, it's not higher. One, the Wakabi and Okoye relationship is really so unexplored. It's almost unnecessary. It's, yeah, it's pretty light. Yeah, you, you don't really need it. And I think you could remove it and, and the movie actually still works. So you could just have them be rivals and it could be that like honor. Like they 
that should be the manifestation of the argument that we you and I just had. Well, he won the fight, but the fight's not over. How he's not dead right. and he didn't yield, and that should have been the argument. And the other thing was the T'Challa and Nakia romance just doesn't work for me. He has m- much better chemistry with Black Widow in his film, and in this film, he has uh, better on-screen chemistry with Bassett, Shuri, and Akwe. Like, there's so many other characters he has better chemistry with, and it just it's such a weakness for me. I agree. I also like the Martin Freeman thing. I don't. I don't know if you can cut that character completely, um, but I didn't really need to watch him in this like make-believe airship shooting things down. I didn't need that intercut with like the finale. It just was not interesting to me. Can I, it felt a little bit like the tokenism. Like, let's give him something. It to was. Do. Yeah. It did. Like, it was like we needed the white t- token white guy for like an inverse or something. But it's like, yeah, then it leaves me feeling like I didn't need that part of the movie. And I wasn't in that whole scene with him like shooting down the supply ships, just unneeded for me. <laughs> I agree. Uh, it, and it's one of the things, it doesn't ruin it for me, but. Maybe that's the point. Maybe we're supposed to feel that way because you didn't need to be in the film. Um, if, if so, then I tip my cap. If it's like a deep meta tokenism thing, then, uh, then it worked perfectly. Yeah, then, then it's working. Um, do we <laughs> do we want to move to final scores or do you have any other questions? Um. Well, okay. So now, again, deepest sympathies to Chadwick Boseman. My question is, what happens to this franchise in the future? Does someone else take the mantle? Could they have enough Bozeman to do like a CGI Paul Walker Fast and Furious type of movie thing? Do they kind of forget about Black Panther for a while? Maybe let it breathe for five years before like maybe giving it to another actor? What's the move here, Jake? Uh, I mean, I had no idea what he had planned clearly, uh, but I, I, I was struggling with this because my first thought was, how do you recast them? And I really thought you can't recast them. They waited a while till they recast Joker. You need to wait. You need to wait, I think, at least several years before you I have do one it. idea for a rapid recasting. I don't know if you'll agree with it, though. All right. Oh, I'm going to throw it right to you because I, I, I would love to hear it. So I think because you did kill Killmonger... And because Michael B. Jordan has such a close relationship with Coogler and he did have a relationship with Bozeman, what do you think about Michael B. Jordan just coming back as the Black Panther, sort of like honoring Bozeman, you know, keeping it in-house with Coogler? Could that kind of work? Seth, <laughs> you beautiful genius, you. That hadn't even <laughs> I occurred. thought you would like that. That hadn't even occurred to me. And I have no idea how that would be received, but I know I, I don't know either. It. But I think I love it for, for several reasons. One, I think you can't recast it. But at the same time, I think if if Kugler and he and I think other people wanted to do that, and I think that would work, at least for me. I don't know if other fans would be cool with that. Because and he's the one, that's the one kind of thing where it's like, I could, it would be like, because I, I like Michael B. Jordan enough, and honestly, he does. He is kind of the one that that wins this movie and steals this movie for me. And so it would. I mean, it would be interesting to see him sort of play the other role and try to be the hero. I know he's he was flailing in the Fantastic Four series or whatever, and it's like he was really good in this, but then he, his character gets killed. And uh, I mean, he's also he's worked with Coogler throughout his career. You know, he was in Fruitvale Station. He was in the Creed movies. Um, really good relationship with Coogler. Uh, I don't know. I, if if I was going to recast it and like 
make a movie next year, that would be the move I would kind of do. But it might be better to just let it breathe for a few years and then kind of like find somebody new, build up some hype, you know, five years down the line. In the comics, his sister becomes it. So I, I think you could oh, very much. I don't know how you write him out. In a, that would in a be an interesting way to go too, though. Like, I don't know how you do it in a respectful way, writing him off. Or you could have maybe M'Baku become Black Panther. I, I think there's some things you can do. It'd be really tough, though, to not have his death on screen and have that transition on screen. I think that'd be tough to just open a movie and kind of be like, well, something happened, and now it's his sister. One of the things I thought was, like, what if it's the mystery of his death? But then I was like, but that's, he actually died. And I just, for me, it was hard for me to get excited about as a fan. Even as a movie fan, just, I didn't really like it. And that was something I kept having a hard time with. But the thought of Jordan knowing their relationship, or at least the way it's being depicted, and it seems like he's really moved, and I'm sure I would like that as a fan if Michael B. Jordan came back, and that's something where I think enough people would be willing, would understand what was happening. Where yeah, I, that's the one move I feel like it could please the fans, and it could also work. Like you, once you kind of like made that transition in the movie to seeing him as Black Panther, I feel like he could carry the mantle pretty well. One of the most interesting, uh, I mean, I mean, I might be reading too much into it, but one of the things. Jordan said in some of his posts was that I want to I'll live like you did with your grace and like he mentioned a lot it was just one of those things where he's going to live like that. him and I was like oh like now that you're saying that I'm kind of picking up on that <laughs> that's uh I mean I'm not a Marvel producer I'm not a, but it's like I would uh, I'd be making some phone calls if I was uh if I was involved okay. But, uh, okay that was any anything else before we go to final scores no no I think that's good I, I really like that uh, the last thing I'll say is I love Eric B Jordan He's awesome in the film. He carries it. And like just like Chris Evans, he moved on from a really bad Fantastic Four franchise and has now become an awesome part of the MCU. Yeah, I'm happy he like found the right – because it's like that Fantastic Four thing. That wasn't going. It's always unfortunate, but that's a whole other pad. Okay, let's do final scores. I think for me, this film comes in – it's like a solid 91. It could be higher, maybe 92, 91, 92, it could be higher. As I said, I really like it. There's a lot to like. It's great world building. It's part of the MCU, also different. Uh, I love pretty much, oh, it's a great addition. Love so much about it. I think at the end of the day, it has a few warts that really end up hurting it, but overall, just incredible. 92. With that, I'm going to throw it to Sethula. All right. Seth, I think it's time. I think we're both ready to wrap up Black Panther. What final score would you give this? Um, when I first saw it, I think I, I was in the sixes upon rewatch. I think the I think I'm in like the 7.0 range now. I think the Michael B. Jordan performance is kind of unique enough that it will intrigue me on rewatches. I also think there's enough good scenes from Coogler that, uh, although we, we talked about how that end train sequence isn't the greatest, but uh, I think it's in the seven range just for like what it does in terms of like these Marvel comic book movies and all the representation. And then also just like, it's a, it's a well-made movie for itself. And, you know, there's a couple flaws here and there, but I think in terms of the Marvel universe, it's definitely one of the ones that you'd like have to bullet point. Like you, can, you shouldn't get into this universe if you're not going to watch Black Panther at some point. 
As usual, you just put it so eloquently, sir. You, you took so many things I wanted to say, and what would have taken me 30, 30 minutes, you did in like 30 seconds. Uh, there's, not, there's not much more I can add on to that. The thing I'll say is, is a, I think I mentioned this previously in other podcasts or maybe earlier in this episode even, as a fan of the Marvel Universe or MCU and seen all the movies and was a big fan of Civil War, I came into this with high expectations uh, at the same time as not being the biggest Black Panther fan from the comics. Just generally, I was surprised by how much I liked it. And I saw this a bunch of times at theaters. But one of the reasons I loved it most was the theater experience. It was just so much fun. Uh, that was one of the things that kept drawing me back as well. And for me, this movie, it's weird after saying that praise to say this, but it ends up being more than the sum of its parts because... The reason I say that is we discussed the third act kind of falls apart. It it goes for a movie that's so original, and I I just think it falls apart might be too much, but it 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 is a letdown. I feel like in several aspects come, leading up to the film. Although I do like the ending, the very ending of Michael Jordan, and kind of the ending note it has. But it's a movie with a message. I think it's a timely one. I think they execute it well. I think they deliver it well. I think they could have given the Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther, T'Challa, a little bit more to do. Uh, there's just something he does a great job in the performance, and I think he ends up really delivering. And but to your point, Michael Jordan steals the show. And he, I think he's the the highest heat or the, the brightest star in the whole thing. And there's tons of other great performances. But for me, this movie is great, great direction, great performances. I'm glad it was. I think of the first Marvel movie to be nominated for the the best picture, and I just was I ended up really liking it more. It made me like the the character Black Panther even more. It was just a a huge win for me. I'm gonna end up pushing it up to a ninety. There's, Ooh, wow. there's definitely now. I'm gonna admit that's like a big Marvel push, and it might be a little bit just. It's fine. Recency bias. I was. I initially had it in like the high 80s. Like it was like an 85, 86, 87 for me. But I'm giving it a little bump. And I think the biggest thing is the Jordan thing. I always like, but like it is even better now. And I'm really your idea of him coming back as Black Panther just makes me so excited. I hope they do that. Um, and then the other thing is I really love the sister Shuri. They do a great job of with Okoye. This is a movie that's representative. It's balanced in terms of gender. There are several story arcs. Some of them don't always fit or work, like Wakabi and the Okoye thing and the Revenge arc. But there were a lot of there are a lot of things that work. And but yeah, quick question: Do you think is this the best standalone of the Marvel? Not not of like the joint Avengers things, but like of the standalone Genesis movies for these like characters in the Avengers. I would think Iron Man One is still up there, but I mean, it sounds like you you know this one's up there for you. I would give it to Iron Man 1 yeah. as the best. And Guardians of the Galaxy, it yeah, might, that's a good one. Like it might, I would acknowledge it might not be a better movie, but I enjoy it more. That probably sounds like bullshit. It is bullshit. But, uh, that's I, well, no, I mean, that's the best quality of Guardians of the Galaxy is that it's just like a fun movie. Yeah, it's, it's 20 minutes shorter than this. It, it breathes a lot more. It also is dealing with some heavy thing, issues, the death of a parent. It's dealing with heavy themes. It has some moments of darkness, but for me, this is a. We should be talking Guardians of the Galaxy. I just think Guardians of the Galaxy for my style. I mean, it's like I also think Ant Man's like that movie's kind of a fun movie. Yeah. Um, but like, the, yeah, I mean, Black Panther. 
I would say maybe this is like maybe the second best of the standalones after the first Iron Man. I would. It's hard to argue with that. I know I just kind of did, but I, this could easily fall fall not fall. This could easily rise to the number two. I, it's a great film. I love it. That sounds. I feel like I'm. I'm not trying to belittle it. I really like this film. Giving it ninety. <laughs> Stop trying to talk me out of it, Seth. <laughs> um, Okay, a lot of a lot of ums and ahs on my side right now. Seth, do we? Is there anything else we want to say? Any final notes, thoughts? Um, did you want to compare it to, or just talk about sort of Black Panther's role in Infinity War and Endgame a little bit, and like where they sort of went with this character? You know what? I think it's time. So Infinity War, Black Panther, he has a few clips. He has two brief clips introducing it's him and Okoye recruiting Bucky Barnes, who has been rehabilitating in Wakanda to join the fight. And then actually, is that the only scene they introduce him really quickly with two quick scenes before he finally meets the Avengers and he becomes really part of, of the film. But you have these two brief clips of him leading up to the Avengers arriving and the Avengers get there, and I'm going to keep saying Avengers, it's the Earthbound Avengers, the Captain America, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, Vision, Banner, Grody, they'll get there. They'll arrive in Wakanda, and you have, no joke, two and a half minutes before Thanos' army arrives, and I know they cut scenes from that, but it's a little rushed. But my problem is, and we don't need to talk about the whole film, but my problem is, we don't have enough time for a lot of these stories to breathe, but more for, more importantly, we don't have enough time in Wakanda. Where have they been since he made this announcement? It would be interesting just to have even two minutes in Wakanda yeah. to get, and we got plenty of Guardians of the Galaxy jokes. Cut one of those jokes out. Give me 60 seconds more in Wakanda leading up to the battle. But I will say once the, the battle there is great and they don't give the Wakandan short change. Black Panther is leading in front of Captain America into the battle. He's the one leading the forces and everyone into the battle. Captain America side by side. Black Panther is literally in front of him, leading leading everyone. He's the one in charge. Okoye has an awesome fight scene. Black Panther has a couple great scenes. Uh, oh my god! I'm, it I'm is. Like one of the, and the it's Shuri. One of things where it's like, sorry. no, no, yeah. like, They're trying to juggle like fifty of these characters, and so again, it's like. Uh, you know, they're leaning on the humor from the Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's like, sh- maybe they have the cutscenes from Wakanda and stuff, but it's like, I kind of get why it's like, you got too many people, and so it's like, something's going to get cut that you want to get left in there. Yeah. But I asked, my memory, though, of the movie is like, I did want more, the the thing I wanted in the, in like Infinity War and Endgame that's not really there, is like those newer characters, like Black Panther or Chris Pratt, or like these guys, that, like I wanted them to feel more like the core group of Avengers, but what ends up happening is like they kind of rely on the core group from the past Avengers, and those people are more like periphery Avengers. They kind of like float on the outskirts, and it never felt like they made this like one unified core group with like the new people, like Black Panther and the, and the Guardians and stuff. So it's like I don't know. I was conflicted about sort of how they did it. I guess I would agree. I do understand the desire to keep them somewhat apart, even just from a simple thematic point of view. Wakanda is very independent. Black Panther is their leader. Having him integrated with the Avengers, having them kind of as a separate entity makes sense. 
But at the same time, that's the only way if you, you need to integrate them more to get more screen time with them, then that's what you should do. And it's a comic book movie. You can change it back off screen. They do so much off screen activity in these Avengers films to help set up other films. I believe Tony and Pepper have two, two off screen breakups or one. Off, like they, and there's tons of other things. Captain America rescues everyone from the raft off screen. The MCU is famous for off screen stuff. So what, Again, I'm not going to rewrite or argue with either Infinity New War or Endgame, but at the time there was some criticism for not having enough Black Panther, and I will say, after seeing them recently, I just think there are a lot of ways you could have had more time in Wakanda and more time there, and I would have liked to see where Wakanda's come. We've now had two movies since the end of Black Panther, and we still really have no idea. That's true. It's like that's the most interesting thing about the end of Black Panther is that they finally show them, themselves to the public, and so that's really what you want to know next in that storyline. Or, or like at least in the Wakanda universe, and so like to not kind of get that is pretty weird. <laughs> and that I get if it's Kevin Feige and Marvel being saying, "Well, if wait we, for Black Panther 2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, the other thing too is like, well, if everything's okay and Wakanda coming out to the world helps fix everything, there's no real need for heroes. So it's not like Wakanda doesn't come out and automatically fix everything with their with their tech. But the one thing I will say in Endgame is I know there were some cut scenes, just generally in Wakanda. I believe we were going to get, I think there was a version where M'Baku had become king. And possibly his sister or Okoye had become Black Panther. But the cut scene or deleted scene I heard is there's a scene with M'Baku as king of Wakanda. And Okoye... Oh, and there's, at the end, there's a quick brief, it's not even really a fight. He and Ebony Maw just go for the Infinity Gauntlet at the same time. Last no more than 10 seconds. I know that was, there was a longer battle there between the two of them that was cut for some time purposes. And I'm assuming there was tons of ending scenes. The At the very end, they show clips of Scott Lane and... Uh, Hope Van Dyne and his daughter, and they show a couple of the more preliminary characters and their and scenes that just quick a montage. What I'm saying is, I'm sure all those were longer scenes that were just cut into montages. So you heard similar things, Seth. <laughs> is there anything at the same time? Yeah, it's hard to argue with the way they set up Endgame. But I kind of agree. It may also makes business sense why they try to finish off a lot of these main Avengers and focus on their story arcs. I'm sure there are a lot of more stories they wanted to tell with these characters. At the same time, it would have been great, I think, to have Spider-Man and Star-Lord and Black Panther all involved. And Okoye, that was one thing that bothered me. She should have been more involved in that movie than she was. Yeah. Uh, did you did you think that um, Endgame and Infinity War, like? were better movies than Black Panther? Like, should they have gotten the awards recognition that Black Panther got? I think Endgame was Infinity... I think Infinity War... It's hard to say Infinity War is better. I think it's more enjoyable, though. I think it should have been nominated. I, I, I think both should have been nominated. But if I had to rank them, I would go Endgame, Black Panther, Infinity War. And the reason I'm giving Infinity... Black... The reason I am giving Endgame... The Edge over Black Panther 
is Infinity War is wrapping up several franchises and at the same time setting the future five years for six others. Yeah. And it does it in a way that pleased everyone. And I, I, it made more money than any other movie. So it, it pleased everyone. It did exactly what it wanted to do. And it set up all these characters down the line. And I know that because then the Spider-Man film came out a few months later. And that, I think, was the second highest. Or it was the highest non-Avengers movie, I believe. Or maybe second highest after Black Panther. But that movie became... Spider-Man is now a billion-dollar franchise, something it was never able to do in seven movies before. And that's a testament to that franchise as well. But I'm giving it to Endgame because it had to close a lot of things. What Black Panther did was impressive building something. The hardest thing is we've talked about, there are many trilogies that fail in the third act because they can't close it well. Closing is <laughs> important. Just ask any uh, any Braves fan or anyone who had to play the Yankees in the 90s. If you can't, in the late 90s, if you can't close, you're in trouble. Can't win. That's can't right. Win. All right. We, uh, we ready? Oh, for closers. <laughs> Do we want to put a little pin in this? Is it time to say goodnight? Well. Goodbye uh, to the people. Goodbye, people. See you later. <laughs>